And now on Radio 4, another return of the legendary Count Arthur Strong. Throughout his long and distinguished show business career, spanning four decades and ten, Count Arthur has entertained audiences as varied as Prime Ministers at their house. A doyen of light entertainment, he is now often sought out as an after-dinner speaker and raconteur, regaling audiences with tales of stars like Anita Harris. Join him now for this week's instalment of Count Arthur Strong's Radio Show. Cashier number two, please. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, dear me. Just look at those windows. They've not seen a cloth, those haven't. Chamois leather. I don't suppose they have chamois leathers anymore, do they? No, it'll be a J-cloth now, won't it? <laughs> J-cloth, T-junction, U-bend, H-bomb. Oh, it gets on your nerves, doesn't it, the alphabet? <laughs> Letters. They might be all right for spelling. You try adding up with them. So, still. So a needle put in thread. Oh, that was a good film, that. There they were Germans chasing those singing children all over Australia. <laughs> the um the um von Helsing family. <laughs> Julie Andrews made them clothes out of the curtains. I don't know why she would do that. They're a well-to-do family. And anyway, it, it would be a foolish economy because she'd have to replace the curtains because of the blackouts. Hey, it's not cheap, curtaining. There was another singing nun, wasn't there? She had um, electrical guitar. Oh, right racket she made. You could hardly hear yourself think when she was on. Um, sister, sister something she called herself. Um, sister, Sledge, Sister Sledge, that's right. Sister Sledge, the singing nun. She was on Wogan, Julie Andrews. Oh, it was dreadful. Anyway, I thought nuns weren't supposed to talk. So, I don't know how that worked on Wogan. Must have got special dispensation from the primus. The primate. Pope John Paul George. And, um, who was the other one? Uh, Ringo! Ringo. Cashier uh. number seven, please. Oh dear, a female dear, Ray, a drop of golden syrup. Me, my name. Cashier number seven, please. Mate, it's you. Hey, you mean it's me? I haven't done anything. He who dealt it smelt it. <laughs> It's your turn, you're next. You're right. Do you know where you are? Of course I know where I am. All right, where am I? <laughs> post office. Cashier number seven, please. Correct, the post office. Um, I have to go now, they're expecting me. Goodbye. Good morning, what can I do for you? You can reorganise your queuing procedure for a start. <laughs> Booth number four, please. Booth number one, please. Booth number three, please. It's like the Battle of Britain out there. 
No one's a clue what to do. It's all for one and one for everyone, all for themselves. <laughs> and, and the devil take the Hindenburg, uh, the, the hindmost. Good luck to the poor beggar that gets in its way. I'm, I'm very sorry. I'll mention it to my manager. Yes, well, just make sure you do. I'm not just anyone you're keeping waiting. I have a personality. <laughs> uh, I am a personality. And we personality people usually go right to the front of queues. It's an unspoken thing. Um, we have an unofficial arrangement, if you like. It's only because I don't agree with all that that I find myself in this invidious position. I'm doing my cookery show on the cable vision this afternoon. I could well do without having to listen to me all day. All this. Um, to listen to all this. Are you on the television? Yes, I am, as if you didn't know. Why is it that you people always have to go through this silly rigmarole of pretending you don't know who I am? What programme is it you do? It's called On Your Marks, Get Set, Steady, uh, Ready, um, uh, Get Set, Leftovers. It's something like that. <laughs> Look in the paper. I don't have time for all this constant hand-holding people expect me to do. And if you want to be on it, you'll have to write in through the usual channels. It's nothing to do with me. What side's it on? It's on the cable vision, and I wish people would stop asking me that. don't think I've seen that. Well, everybody else has, so I don't know how you managed to miss it. <laughs> right, then. Now I've got your full attention, I'd like... Um, oh, I've forgotten what I want now. I've been waiting that long. What was it? Um... Um, oh, yes. Uh, two second-class wars, please. Uh, um, uh, second World Wars. Oh, second-class stamps. Stamps for letters. No need to look so surprised. Has nobody ever asked you for stamps before? <laughs> I'd have thought that would be a basic part of your training. And um, that is the exact money, unless they've gone up while I was in the queue. <laughs> Which wouldn't surprise me. Perhaps you'd express my displeasure to your manager on that front as well. Good day to you. Cashier number four, please. The hills are alive with the sound... Oh, stop it. I'll be singing that flipping song all day now because of her at the post office. Hi. What do you mean, Hi. Hello. What have you been? Hello. Say hello. Sorry. Hello. Do you have a few minutes to spare for charity? I beg your pardon? <laughs> you got a couple of minutes to spare for charity? Yes, I do, if it's anything to do with you. I'm known for my good works for charity, I am. I'm full of good deeds for the weedy. Never the needy. <laughs> do you know, I think I'm only truly happy when I'm surrounded by those less fortunate than myself. <laughs> But um, I'm not one of those people that goes around blowing me on trumpet up myself about it. Um, I tend to leave that to the musicians. Yeah, OK, that's great. So perhaps I could tell you a little bit about what it is I'm doing and why... Oh, it's not long since I was topping the bill at a benefit evening uh, for my favourite charity of mine, which, incidentally, I'm a figurehead for. Oh, what is it? Um, don't tell me. Um, stop something. Dolphins, stop the dolphins. No, not stop the dolphins. Um, uh, orphans, stop the orphans. No, you can't stop orphans, can you? You know, the 
one with the caliper on her leg. Dr. Barnum's houses or something. For goodness sake, I shouldn't have to stand here lifting every charity for you. I'm a busy man. I'm only, only trying to do a good turn and help those better off than me. It's worse off. Um, worse off than me. I am one of the better off than me once. You only have to look at me to know that about me. Right, OK, great. That's really good. Now, what I'm Ooh, going... Oh, yes, I've raised a fortune for charity, I have. In fact, you know, a lot of them have nicknamed me Jack the Ripper because of my charity works. Jack the Ripper? Yes, you know, took from the rich to give to the poor. Sheriff or not... Oh, not Jack the Ripper. Um, uh, the other one. Uh, Errol Flynn doing him in the films. You know, um, he had the fight with um, little Long John Silver. Um, Robin Hood, that's right. Robbed from the rich, gave to the poor. My goodness me, what's the education system like these days? You don't know about Jack the Ripper. They're Robin the Ripper. Hood! Jack the Hood! Oh, whatever his sodden name is. Anyway, all I'm saying is, and I think I speak for myself, <laughs> when I say to you that if one of mine was an orphan, it would give me great comfort to know that I and people like me were out there doing their bit for it. And people like it. Um, so, uh, shall I put you down for a tenner, then? What? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> I'm the one that's collecting for charity. Oh, there you are, you see. Another one that won't put its money where the mouths are. <laughs> Streets are full of you lot. Listen, I did my national service for people like you, so don't come whinging to me about everything. Some people sleep in cardboard boxes, you know, while you're loading it around in your, your, in your blue tabard. Hey, who do you think you are, King Charles II? Hey, well, let me tell you something about King Charles the Spaniel. Um, the second, um, they had their heads chopped off. Henry VIII, the Wars of the Roses, who stuck them on the spikes of the Tower of London. Oh, yes, there was no Rolf Harris rescuing your pets in those days. <laughs> You want to have a long, hard think about that before you cross the next passerby. Good day to you. <laughs> hey, how's that then? Oh, you've shaved years off the back of my head. <laughs> you've really superseded yourself today. Oh, have you got that little um, shaver thing you used to cut your nose hairs with? All oh, that sort of thing shows up on the telly, you know. Oh, yes, the camera can be a cruel mistress, Jimmy. It's not like when you do the radio. Oh, you could do the radio in any old state. You want to see some of them. Half of them look as if they don't even bother washing. <laughs> I tell you, some of the archers haven't been near a flannel since they started on it. <laughs> I've met one of them, Walter Gabriel. Um, I sat in a car with him. He's dead now. Uh, <laughs> do me ears need a quick trim as well? I can't uh, see him from here. Well, of course I can't. Um, I mean, if I could... I would be a freak, wouldn't I? <laughs> the man who can see in his own ear holes. I'd have to be a contortionist. Mind you, Jimmy, I might make a bob or two out of it. You know, when I uh, used to do my memory man act, I used to do in the variety days, there was um, a contortionist then doing the circuit. Bendy Bob. Oh, yes. Uh, not that he could see in his own ears. Um, his act was... He used to squash himself into a suitcase. And do you know, after the show, he'd get someone to take him on the train as luggage. 
Oh, yeah. He saved himself a fortune, in fact. Oh, he's, he was doing all right until the great train robbery. Uh, never heard of him again. It's like what happened to my dear old um, dead pal of mine. Weaver the Bugle and his hoop of flames at the Bradford Alhambra. God rest his soul. I remember his last words. Put me out. I'm a flipping fire. Still he went as he would have wanted. Like a bazooka. They say there's still um, some bits of him on the ceiling at the Alhambra. They haven't the heart to wipe him off. Uh, oh, uh, long enough ladder. Um, did I tell you I'm doing my uh, cookery programme on the Cablevision today? Now, how do you get the Cablevision then? Well, um, uh, have you got a, t a television? No, of course I've got a television. Um, switch your television on. And, um, oh, it's somewhere on there, I believe. Use your dials. I don't know. What do you think I am? The, the talking clock? What, what time is it on then? Well, it's on when we do it. They, um, they release it out to people alive. Um, I'm more to do with the artistic side of things, Jimmy. I can't really allow myself to get bogged down with all the minutiae of it all. I'm the cook stroke presenter, not the bottle washer stroke dog's body. I have people to do that for me. There you are. All done. Five minutes, please. Right. Then I shall do my warm-up. Thank you very much. My vocal warm-up. My vocal warm-up. <coughs> Many mighty men making much money on the moon chain. Red leather, lorry yellow. <laughs> Red rather, lolly yellow. Red ladder, Larry, hello! <laughs> I rattled my bottles in... Well, many mighty men making much money. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's very special edition of the cookery show everyone's all been talking about. On your marks, get set. Ready, steady, steady, ready, um... Get set. Dinner. Oh, it's a stupid, sodden name, whatever it is. In which I get to make some dinner against the clock for a mystery celebrity who's been out shopping with a budget of £3 to spend on a carrier bag full of secret ingredients, unknown to myself as to what it is they are. Um, yes, it really will be a test of my culinary abilities. Now, as you know, even I don't know who the mystery steward will be. A oh, celebrity! Um, who the mystery celebrity will be. And I can't wait to find out who he is. Or, or who she is. It might be a woman. We don't know that yet, do we? I haven't said his name yet. Um, it might be um, Anita Harris, uh, for all you know. Anyway, I can't wait to meet them both, whoever he is. <laughs> Look, everybody, it's Stuart Unwin from Dad's Army. Yes, indeed, Stuart Unwin, who played the part of Private Bikes Understudy in the wonderful Dad's Army. It's a pleasure to be here. We're delighted to have you. Tell me um, a question everybody must ask you. 
What was it like being Private Pike's understudy, Stuart? Oh, it was wonderful, Arthur. They were very happy days. And uh, did you ever get to go on? No. <laughs> oh, marvellous. Well, we'll have another little story from you a bit later on. <laughs> if you've got one at all. <clears throat> now then, on to the matter in hand. Firstly, can I welcome you to the table vision, uh, tabletop tennis, um, uh, table vision, idiot, and um, say a big thank you um, to you for finding the time to be with us in spite of all your dad's army commitments. Oh, that's all right. I don't really have any. I was never really in it. Oh, dear me. Play it up, will you? Oh, I, I do remember Arthur Lowe very well. Well, thank goodness for that. Um... <laughs> now then to know, Stuart, what have you got in your carrier bag for me to cook up? Let's empty it out, and as the Cockneys would say, we'll have a butcher's hook. Hack. A batcher's, batcher's hack. Hook. A batcher's butcher's hack. Oh, hack or hook. It really doesn't make much difference, does it, Stuart? Just tip it out, will you? Let's see what you've got. I haven't got time for all that nonsense. Right. Um... A cabbage, that's good. I've got an idea for that already. Thinking on my feet, I might uh, boil it up in some uh, hot water <laughs> with plenty of salt, um, maybe. Um, what else have you got in there? A packet of ginger nuts. Uh, right, I'm thinking uh, melange of ginger nuts on a bed of uh, boiled cabbage. Um, what else is there? Um, half a bottle of vodka. A packet of odour eaters and some chewing gum. I can't make any dinner after that load of rubbish, you lunatic. What are you playing at? That isn't my carrier bag. What do you mean it isn't your carrier Who Oh, it's mine, is that? That's my bit of shopping. Who's put that there? This is what I got. I don't know what's gone on there. Come on, then, tip it out. Don't just stand there with your mouth open, Captain Flies. Right, what's this? A big bag of oven chips. One chicken leg, cooked. What's that? A tin with a treacle pudding in it. Oh, I don't think you quite understood the brief, did you, Stuart, you idiot? Well, you said to make it easy. The chips are done in seven minutes. Yes, but there's easy and there's just... just stupid. And anyway, I didn't. I didn't say anything about what to get. There was no collusion there. Or, or, or if there was, it's all on your part. They're, they're colluding. So don't come that on the live television. You're supposed to get me something I can be creative with. Like eggs. Or aubergines. Or um, a broccoli. Um, some, something I can make something interesting and exotic out of. Like onion bunges or salmonoses or something. Like, that sort of stuff. You've made a right spectacle of yourself. No, just... Look, listen. Forget the dinner. Just forget it. We'll get a takeaway in. Sh shall I do my funny story? Not yet. Just keep quiet. Right. We've cooked our lovely takeaway. And 
What we need now is to pick the perfect wine to go with it, to drink with it. Now, those of you who tune in on a Sunday to my religious affairs discussion um, <laughs> thing I do will know that I am, in my spare time, a part-time lay preacher for my sins. And through all that, um, a position I hold, which I'm very proud and privileged to do so, is that of honorary chief communion wine taster for the East Anglia Church of... A lady, something like that. Um, and what I'd like to demonstrate to you is just how sophisticated my palate, or as I sometimes call it, at wine tastings we have at the church, for a joke, my Pontius palate. Um, <laughs> he's the one that fiddled while Rome burnt in your Bibles. Um, just how sophisticated my Pontius palate has become. So what we're going to do now is one of those wine tastings that blind people are always going on about. Um, oh, one of those blind wine tastings that people are always going on about. I've got a funny story about wine. I was in a vineyard in France many years after Dad's army had finished and I was buying some wine and the person in front of me, who I could only see the back of... Oh, I've not got to that bit yet. Dear me, I know this is going out alive, but really, they're going to have to edit out some of your bits first, live or not. <laughs> Drifting on like an old fool. You have a clue about television, have you? With your constant erroneous interjections. You're like a thorn in my side, you are. Androcles in my loin all over again. <laughs> now, this is where I part company with most of the other wine tasters you'd have heard of. Um, Jilly, um, um, uh, Oliver Reed, etc. Um, uh, my first rule in my wine tasting rule book is never, ever spit any of it out. <laughs> never, ever, just to waste a good drink. In my opinion, whoever would tell you to do that is not a proper drinker. And, and frankly, Stuart, on top of everything else, it looks disgusting. So please stop it. If, if, you, if you spit on a bus, you can be fined. And they've every right to. It's filthy. Makes my blood boil. You, you stand waiting for one for hours, and then three who turn up at once, covered in spittle. <laughs> Then let's have a little sip of wine number A. <laughs> Ooh, I like that one. <laughs> wine number B. Ooh, that's nice as well. Wine number C. Oh, now, well, this is interesting, this. Because the third one tastes a bit like the first one and the second one. But with a third taste to it as well. Tell you what, let's have another little sip of one of them just to see if I concur with what it is I'm saying. Um. I, I was once in a vineyard in France, and uh, when I was in the shop, the person in front of me, I thought I recognised the sound of Excuse his voice. Excuse me, thank you. I'm halfway through something here. It's hardly headline news, is it, to be stood in a queue behind Iggy Pop? 
<laughs> eh? Now then, when you've shaken hands with Ed Stupup in Summerfields, then you've something to write home about, Stuart. So, line number A. <sighs> oh, definitely. Oh, it is a good drop of splosh, is that? <laughs> Just so much more easier on the back of a Pontius. Um, let's have another sip or something. Um, it's just so very important to me that we have just the right communion wine for our last supper slap-up takeaway. <laughs> we'll be sending out for in a minute. <laughs> you can do your story now whilst I have another drink to make my mind up definite. Once and for all again, what it is is the best drop of drink on behalf of the consumers. Here we are, down the hatch. Look out, Tom, here it comes. I was in the vineyard in France, and, well, I was in the shop at the end, and I thought I'd recognise the voice of the man in front. Auntie Mary had a canary up the leg of his rose. Come on! Oh, cheer up, Stuart. You look like a wet fish. You look like a bit of finny haddock. I know the flipping music as I do. How to fondle the woman. Da-da-da, said the wise old man. That's from that film, Richard Harris. Who's your father? Who's your father? Who's your father, referee? You have got one, you're a bastard. I'm afraid we seem to be experiencing some technical difficulties. Please bear with us and we'll try and sort it out. In the meantime, some music. <laughs> How did the show go then yesterday? I don't think I'd be doing another one with. <laughs> Not one of them's a clue what's going on. That dozy idiot Stuart Unwin. <laughs> he only came in with chicken and chips already cooked. Apart from the chips, we had to send out for a Chinese. Well, it'll have saved you a job, won't it? Yes, Wilf. It did save me a job. But it goes right against the spirit of the programme, sending out for a Chinese. I'm supposed to look at what they bring in and say what I'm going to make with it. Anyway, they want me to do another programme now instead, more suited to my area of expertise. Oh, what's that then? Lolly in the loft. It's, um, it's about people who have a lot of rubbish upstairs they've had for years and are sentimental about. I go in and value it, and then we have a car boot sale. If, if there's anything left, we pour petrol over it and it gets burnt. <laughs> Then all the friends come round and have a barbecue on it. It's about moving on. It's what they call psychological. What's the best sort of meat for a headache? Um, I was reading in one of the magazines in the shop that um, a rasher of bacon can sometimes help get rid of a headache. Or was it backache? Or was it back bacon is good for a rash? Oh, sod it, I'll have a lamb cutlet. <laughs> Appearing with Count Arthur Strong were Joanna Neary, Alistair Kerr and Dave Mountfield. The script was written by Steve Delaney and edited by Graham Duff. 
Count Arthur Strong's radio show is recorded live at Comedia Brighton, is produced by John Leonard and Mark Ratcliffe, and is a joint Comedia Entertainment and Smooth Operations production. <laughs>